Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Finite Podcast, where today I have the pleasure of being joined by Inbar Yegur, who is the Director of Content and Product Marketing at Lucia, Lucia being the B2B company and contact data provider. Inbar's been working on a very interesting and exciting repositioning project for Lucia, and we're going to be talking all about it, how she's worked closely with her colleague and, and, and wider team to deliver a successful project, how she set the project up for success, working closely with her sales colleagues, to make sure that the repositioning landed and continues to be a success. Inbo will also tell us a little bit about some of the challenges and also things she might have done differently. So anyone that's interested in taking a big B2B SaaS company through a repositioning journey, I think we'll find this episode really interesting. I hope you enjoy. The Finite community is supported by Clarity, the fast growing global marketing communications agency working with leading technology brands. We are living through an unprecedented era of change driven by advancements in technology technology that has the power to be an impetus for good and that will drive us towards a healthier, more prosperous, sustainable and equitable future. Clarity exists to tell the stories of these companies, blending the science of data with the art of storytelling to enact measurable marketing and communications campaigns and deliver results to the bottom line. Visit clarity.global to find out more. Hello, Inbar, and welcome to the Finite Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Really great to be here. (laughs) Looking forward to talking. I know we're going to be running through an interesting story of all the work you've been doing at Lucia on a repositioning, which I think any marketer listening to will probably have a, maybe, well, different reactions, maybe a shiver, maybe a a bit of fear, maybe excitement. All these projects are always tough and challenging, but I'm looking forward to hearing uh, all about how you've approached it. Why don't we start by you telling us a bit about your background and experience so far? Sure. Okay. So I actually like to joke that I've got the lowest ROI degree in the history of the universe. I've got a master in fine arts in film directing from the American Film Institute Conservatory, if you can believe it. But very quickly after I graduated, I actually started to move into content marketing. I was a freelancer for a while. And then I ended up joining Taboola to really kind of help them figure out the product. Taboola is the, like, you may like guys that you see at the bottom of articles. And so I joined them at a very early stage. I was employee number 80. And I was brought in to kind of figure out how to make all of that work. And that's kind of where I got thrown into product marketing. And for four years, well, four and a half years, actually, there, I did a lot of market education. I helped kind of build out the product for advertisers, best practices. And that really gave me a sort of boot camp in marketing because I got to see not just what Taboola was doing, but also what all of our advertisers were doing. So I got to be in the room with like huge brands and, and you know, talk to them about marketing strategy. And it was an awesome way to kind of get into marketing. For the last five or so years, I've, I've been mostly a VP marketing at early stage startups. I've brought two companies from Series A to Series B and, you know, basically built their go-to-market strategy. One people may know is called AnyWord. Uh, It's a generative AI tool that was released basically in late 2020, around the time where a lot of these generative AI tools uh, got into market. Now, these days, it's it's got about, um, I think at this point, over a million users on the platform, which is really cool. I'm really proud to to have named that and brought it to market. And after that, I was an HR tech. And for the last 10 months or so, I've been the director of content and product marketing at Lucia. I just kind of wanted to get back to my roots and to doing the things I love. I love content marketing. I love product marketing. It's my passion. And there was a huge fit in terms of coming to Lucia because they were in the midst of, of a strategy shift. And so I was brought in to build the content marketing program from scratch and rebuild the product marketing organization to help move from a product-led growth 
kind of strategy that was all basically B2C, bringing in end users to a more upmarket um, enterprise kind of offering and positioning, which is, you know, where our, our conversation is probably going to focus, which is how to, yeah, how we did that. Cool. And tell us a bit about, um, it's always nice for our listeners to hear a bit about how marketing teams are sized and shaped at the different companies our, our guests work at. So how does the marketing organization look at Lucia? Well, you know, we're, we're still kind of in flux because it's new muscles, but basically I would say it's divided into two, two different sections. One that deals more with the funnel and paid acquisition and, 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 and website optimization. You know, we have hundreds of thousands of visitors that come to our site um, every month. And, you know, we, we need to bring those in through paid campaigns. And obviously we need to optimize that and do a lot of work on SEO. So there's one side that does that, the lead handoffs over to sales, everything that has to do with like growth. And then there's my side of the fence, which is more in the, the I would say product marketing, brand and comms kind of area. So I've got two product marketers on my team. I've got competitive intelligence manager who is amazing and brings a lot of value because Lucia is in a very competitive space. I've got three people on my content team. One is the lead who manages a content writer, copywriter, and a content manager and uh, marketing automation, of course, because we've got to distribute all of this somehow. So yeah, that's, that's basically it. We've actually just now added a creative lead as well to help us kind of bring, you know, one of the things that I think always helped Lucia stand out is, is it's very unique brand voice. And even though we're moving to B2B or to a more of a B2B motion, I don't want to lose that. You know, just because you're selling B2B doesn't mean you're not selling to humans. And it's important to keep an edge and continue to be unique and innovative. And so adding that kind of creative piece onto the team has uh, really brought a lot of value. Very cool. So we're going to be talking all about your repositioning journey and I guess specifically how you worked with sales. Obviously, as you talked about going from PLG to a more enterprise upstream sales process, well, go to market generally means marketing and sales working more, more closely together in, in different respects, but also a project like this is never, never straightforward as I alluded to at the start. Maybe you can start by giving us a quick overview of just the entire kind of repositioning project, what it was, why it, why it happened and, and kind of what the scope was. Okay, great. So Lucia has and always will be a product-led growth company. This is really important to say. We pride ourselves on the fact that our platform is super easy to use, is, is really high quality, and that you know any person can come in, find their footing really, really easily and make it work. Now, that being said, you know, if, even though we're not changing the, the, the essence of how we develop our product and how, how we bring our product to the end user, you know, there's a whole other side of this, which is creating way more sophisticated, more advanced functionalities for, you know, your sales ops, for your VP sales, marketing, and those kinds of roles. Because at the end of the day, you know, what we do is help bring really good data into uh, B2B teams and make sure that there's reaching out to the right people at the right time in order to, to really accelerate their pipeline and, and improve their sales process. So that vision has always been there. The only thing that we've done really is just expand our offering to be more across the organization and not only just focused on the SDR's immediate need. And we've been doing that as a product strategy for about a year now. But, you know, it's it, it's this huge glacier that we have to move because we've, you know, Lucia's been around since 2016. We've got a, a whole lot of history of just speaking and selling to the end user. And now that we want to bring in decision makers at a higher level um, and different personas, that needs to that that needs to really change 
everywhere, whether it's the way we do our sales enablement materials, what keywords we're bidding on, our SEO strategy, our content strategy, everything there needs to shift to speak to a more decision maker kind of profile. That makes sense. It does. Absolutely. Interesting. The Finite Community and Podcast are kindly supported by 93X, the digital marketing agency working exclusively with ambitious, fast-growth B2B technology companies. Visit 93x.agency to find out how they partner with marketing teams in B2B technology companies to drive growth. I guess with any big project like this, whether it's repositioning, rebranding, a website, there's a lot of people involved. And I guess something like this really spans the entire organization in some respects, but I know we're talking about a relationship with sales more specifically, but but how do you take everyone along for the ride on a on a project like this and, and make sure it really is set up for success? So listen, we're still in the middle of it, right? We've kind of moved from the strategy section where we get everybody aligned into the execution side. But let's talk about the, that first piece. Like how, how do you come up with a repositioning strategy? And the way I, I, I wanted to do it, like we knew that we needed to change our messaging. We knew that we needed to change the way our sales team speaks to our prospects. At the end of the day, though, we were changing it for them, right? So I think a lot of times when marketing teams get into something like this, they tend to talk to themselves quite a bit and, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about uh, what, you know, coming up with, with ideas, having their own opinions about how these things could work. I didn't want to do that this time. You know, if we're moving from a very product led motion into a more sales assisted motion, that means that we need to reposition to help our sales team more than anything else. Right. We got PLG covered. Like we're good in terms of bringing end users. That's not the challenge. The challenge is how do we keep those end users, bring in those, those higher level decision makers and to talk to those higher level decision makers, that's sales job. That, that's like the sales team's job. And so to not have them in the process wasn't even an option. And so I'll, I'll kind of talk you through what we did quickly. The first thing we did was, was, was interview a bunch of stakeholders in the company, right? A lot of leadership, but also individual contributors who have been at the company for a while. So, so we interviewed our VPs, we interviewed a, a bunch of salespeople, support customer success, mostly on the go-to-market side, some on the product side, but mostly on the go-to-market side of things to kind of get their take. You know, we asked them questions like, where do you think Lucia wins? in the market? What do you think our, our biggest challenges are? What do you hear from customers in terms of what they like or dislike about, about Lucia? And, you know, once we had some of those compiled, the next step was then to go to the data, right? So it's really easy to be anecdotal when you do this kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, our sales team says that our users like to do X, Y, and Z, but is that actually the case? Like if we look at our product analytics, do they tell the same story? Right. And so, again, it's a trap people tend to fall into, which is just assume that what they're hearing from the market is the truth. And the truth is not that because what they're hearing is anecdotal. Right. You can't. I mean, in our heads, we have our own biases and, and we can't uh, make assumptions based on just a few people's thought process or feedback. And so we went very deep into product analytics to understand what our user base looks like, what functionalities do they, they use most, where our highest potential for revenue is. So we wanted to understand who are the heavy like power users of Lucia and to understand whether we were capturing them all. And the truth is that we weren't. We were missing a whole sect of people who used us very deeply, but just 
we were not speaking uh, to that persona, specifically marketers in this case. So we went in, tried to understand on the business level, what brings in the most revenue, what brings in the highest product adoption, and then bring that in and kind of put that together with the interviews that we initially did. Okay. So we have the data on one hand, we have the interviews on the other. The next thing we did was just iterate a first version of what we think our challenges are and how we want to deal with them in terms of the messaging, what we think our strengths are and how we want to deal with them in terms of messaging. And then we started shopping everything around. This was the longest part of the process. It took us, I'd say about a part of two months. We spoke to, I think, over over 150 people in the organization. We started by going to leadership with our proposal of this is what we think Lucia should you know, this is how Lucia needs to talk about Lucia. Uh, this is what we need to kind of emphasize in our materials. And we shopped that around and continued to iterate and adjust based on that feedback. And the people that we spoke to most were the go-to-market teams. We spent a lot of time presenting the same deck over and over and over again to different individual sales teams so that we can really understand if what we're saying is grounded in reality, right? Once this like new piece of collateral or once this messaging kind of hits the sales team, they don't feel comfortable sharing it. They don't think that it's 100% connected to their challenges. A lot of that happens a lot of the time. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted um, for them to look at it and say, yes, this is relevant to us. This is connected to our reality. This is what we feel comfortable and are proud to say. And so obviously over time, we started making less and less edits and really getting to a consensus where at the end, you know, at the end of a two month process, I, I, I remember uh, I was, I was, and by the way, this is really important to say, and I left, I should have said this from, from the beginning, I didn't do this alone, right? I was working in partnership with, um, with my competitive intelligence and positioning manager, Alina, who is, is a data whiz and is one of the smartest people I know. And, you know, a lot of the data analysis and, and a lot of that presentation was her bringing in what we found, what we discovered, what we've seen from, from all the research we did, and then, you know, wrapping it into messaging. And so um, Alina was with me during this whole process. And of course, we brought in feedback from the rest of the product marketing team and the marketing team in general. The last presentation we did for this whole, you know, kind of this is how we, we envision um, talking about Lucia. We did it in front of, I'd say about 20 people in the product organization. And at this point we were like an Abbott and Costello. Like we, we had running jokes, we had anecdotes. It was like, okay, this is Alina. This is the, the part where I jump in and uh, how I, how as a VP marketing, I did X, Y, Z. So here, let me tell you the story. You know, it was like, it was becoming a bit because we had done it so much. But you know, once we finished the last one, we'd realized, first of all, we high-fived. And we were really happy. Uh, we realized that we actually hadn't changed anything in the deck for for at least four or five meetings. So that's for, for at least several weeks. You know, we looked at each other, we high fived, and then two seconds later, it's like, oh, okay, now we actually have to make this work. <laughs> you know, like, okay, we've got the strategy. Now we actually have to put this into practice, and that's hard. That is so hard. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about that. I mean, I, you, you referenced working with sales a bit there and how, you know, I, I guess I'm interested in, I've heard lots of marketers say that when they've slightly changed direction or they've opened up strategy to new ICPs or new industry verticals or certain verticals that the sales team historically may not have been as comfortable with, that can pose challenges. I guess like were sales 
completely aligned and on board with this as a project from the start? Was it a lot of work to kind of, I guess there's almost two questions here in, in one in terms of you know, that collaboration with sales, but also how, how they felt about the process and was it kind of daunting to be not changing direction, but at least evolving and, and having to change how they, how they do things? Well, to be honest, I felt that overall we had really, really positive feedback from the sales team. So, so like I said, I really do believe in taking people along for the ride when you do something, right? You don't want to work in a bubble as a marketer. And that was the message from day one. The message was from day one was, we want to hear you. We want to, to do things that will support you and your goals. And I think they felt that throughout the process in a way that really hadn't happened before. In general, as a person, as a manager, as, you know, as a marketer, I believe in transparency in everything I do. And so, you know, when we were talking to them, a lot of times marketers are like, oh, everything's positive. Everything's great. We're, we're the best company. We do everything right. That's not a really good way to do things, right? There's a guy named Todd Capone who talks about flossom as a concept, like when you're better off pointing out where you're not as strong and being open about it rather than pretending that everything is great. So that's kind of my philosophy too. And so what I think the reason the sales team really got along for the ride is because when we came to them at first, we didn't just come with, hey, we're, this is how we're going to say that we're perfect. No, we came to them and said, hey, here are the challenges that we have identified for us as a product in terms of the market landscape, in terms of what our business needs versus what our business is achieving. Here's a way to bridge those gaps, right? We're, we're coming in, not, you know, dictating something from on high, but bringing solutions to really practical business challenges that they've been seeing. And so for them, it was like, this is great. I feel seen like you're, you're trying to solve my problems. It's awesome. Right. So, you know, within the process, the sales team was just happy because they felt like they're being heard. I think because Lucia's marketing was so top funnel when we were doing a pure PLG motion, they didn't really, you know, they weren't really involved in the process um, as much. They didn't really have a say or they didn't feel like they had people to come to for feedback in terms of, you know, getting the right messages out there um, as a company. And so for them, this was a really good change. It was something that they they really it helped them feel seen in the organization and it helped them feel like they have a voice in what Lucia externalizes to the world. Right. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. I mean, I, I think that's the lesson for any big project, right? Repositioning otherwise is making making people feel heard, getting their getting their input from the beginning, taking them on the journey, making them feel like they've got a say in things. I mean, I think those are the good principles for any big uh, project or or period of change. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, like, I keep on joking that that film school didn't teach me anything. That's not actually true. What film school did teach me is to get a bunch of people on board on the same thing, right? When you're a director, you've got you've got crew, you've got cast, you've got post-production people, editors, that you need to kind of get them to buy into what you're doing, right? Or else you're not going to make a very yeah. good movie. And it's the same exact thing everywhere else. Yeah. What about... um? managing expectations more generally. So obviously sales are highly interested in the project, but this is something that probably impacts everyone in the business in, in some way or another. Um, I know that you said you're kind of still in the in the midst of the journey to some extent and, and any repositioning really, you know, really, really takes some time. Maybe you can talk a bit about kind of broadly where you're at and how you've managed expectations around when people will see results and, and how they might look at the success of things. Yeah, well, that's that's been very challenging, if I'm being honest, because there's a lot of things that you know need to happen, but they can't happen one, right away, right? So for example, our paid campaigns, right? We've got 
a huge budget that we're working with every month. And, you know, when you set up a, a marketing campaign, you can't just shut it off if it's feeding your pipeline, right? You can't just say, okay, I'm going to change everything all at once. And, you know, let's jump off the cliff and pray everything is going to work. No, you have to be really, really careful and strategic about how you're shifting budgets, where, where you're putting your attention, you know, when you're changing your keyword strategy, you have to do it obviously on the organic side too. It's a huge glacier that we need to move now. Like, like I mentioned up top, it's like, we, we've been saying the same thing since, since 2016. Now we have to say something completely different. You know, it's a slow process. And so there has been admittedly a little bit of frustration of, you know, why aren't we getting X, Y, Z as, 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 you know, we're hoping for now that we're under new messaging. And, and there's nothing much you can do there. All I can really do is just continue to explain to them, like, if I shut off this campaign that's been running for, you know, 10 months and is bringing in, you know, X percent of your your pipeline, you're going to lose that pipeline until I figure out what to do instead, right? And and everything that you that we do in marketing is an iterative process. You're not going to get it right the first time. So even if our positioning at the end of the day, we you know we felt really good about it and, you know, there's already been efforts that that really elevated it. Like we did a really big product release in February, which was completely informed by everything that we did in the repositioning process. Something like our website, that's going to take way longer. You've got hundreds of thousands, not millions of people coming to this website every month. And we can't just change it. We can't just say, okay, makeover, starting from scratch. Everything needs to be A-B tested. Everything needs to be rolled out gradually. And so the results take time. And I, I'm happy to say that that so far the rollout in things like the website has been really, really successful. We shifted our content strategy. That's really done a lot for for our organic views and, the, and you know, the keywords that we're targeting. We've changed a bunch of pages on the site and we're seeing them converting at a much higher rate. Like it's all good. It's just slow because you're working with a bunch of different stakeholders on this, but also because, you know, you can't just erase everything and start from scratch. And so this is true of the enablement side too, right? You're, you're re-educating an organization and you need to do it in phases. So right now we did a, a deep dive into our personas um, to the sales org, but that took a while because we needed to do more in-depth research there, right? Like, so it does get challenging in that people are like, okay, well, well why aren't I seeing results yet? But here's the thing though, Alex, I am a big believer in over-communication rather than holding your cards close to your chest. Like if I'm having an issue because the, the the new messaging was rolled out and our A-B test said that, you know, this isn't working as well as we thought it would be. I want to tell sales this. Like if, if sales comes to me and says, hey, why is there a drop in, you know, demo requests? I thought that this was supposed to fix it. Then I want to tell them, hey, listen, so there's a drop because we tried this and it didn't work. So now we're going to try this, right? Like they need to know. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of times people work in silos and marketing works in a silo and doesn't really give as much context to the sales team as they should. I mean, sales people are not marketers. They don't understand marketing. I don't expect them to understand marketing. And so if they see results dropping or changing, they don't know why. So all they feel is frustration. So obviously I can't be there for everybody all the time, but when I have the opportunity to explain why, I explain why. It's really Absolutely. important. Yeah. yeah, good advice. We're pretty much out of time, but I wanted to wrap up asking you one more question, which was based on everything you've done so far and it sounds like it's been a huge success albeit you're still kind of on the on the journey we'll see is there, so far, so good. Do, <laughs> yeah. is there anything you would do differently based on your learning so far i think i should have been clearer on what executing on the strategy looked like 
Like, I think that one of the things that we should have done at the start is decide how we wanted to productize this and in what order, like, what do we tackle first? Is it the, the enablement materials? Is it the web? Like, I feel like we got to execution a little too late. Like it took us a bit once we were done with the process to kind of get into putting it into, you know, to actually putting it to work. And yeah, we could have gotten there much sooner had we planned ahead in terms of the vision there. Interesting. Cool. Good advice. Well, it's been a pleasure talking. It's uh, an incredible project, one that I'm sure you will uh, you will look back on, but continue to go through. So yeah, lots of hard work, but it sounds like it's paying off, which is great. Thank you again for coming on the podcast and sharing with, uh, with all our listeners. Sure. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope everybody found it helpful. We're super busy at Finite building the best community possible for marketers working in the B2B tech and SaaS sector to connect, share, learn, and grow. Along with our podcast, we host online events, share curated content, and have an active Slack community with members from around the world, including cities like London, New York, Singapore, Tel Aviv, Stockholm, Melbourne, and many more. Head to finite.community and apply for a free membership to strengthen your marketing knowledge, build your network, and connect with ambitious B2B tech marketers across the globe.